0: Hello, my friends, the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior be with you. I want to welcome you to the Sermons from the Cornfield podcast, a weekly podcast where the sermons that I preach each and every Sunday are uploaded for you to listen to and review. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill, and I hope you enjoy this week's podcast. God bless. Friends, our sermon text this morning takes us to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. We're going to be in chapter 31. Taking a look at verses 31 through 34. So again, this is Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, remember their sin no more. My friends, again, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever gotten lost on the way somewhere, even with directions. I can remember a number of years ago, I was, I don't know, eight or nine years old, and mom and dad decided that instead of our usual summer family trip down to Myrtle Beach, that mom, dad, my sister, and myself, and my aunt, uncle, and my two cousins were all going to go down to Atlanta to see the Braves. Now, we were going to go to Six Flags, do all that stuff as well, but for me, I mean, the chance to see Dale Murphy and Bob Horner and Chris Chambliss and Glenn Hubbard, I mean, names that probably mean nothing to most of you, but guys I grew up watching, that was a big deal. And even bigger than that was the fact that they were playing the Phillies that weekend. And at the time, and if I'm honest with you still to this day, one of my favorite players is Pete Rhodes he was playing for the Phillies then, so we got to see him as well. Now, the hotel that we were staying at was called the Stadium Hotel. And according to the front desk operator, the Stadium Hotel was right across from Fulton County Stadium, which is where the Braves played at the time. So Dad has directions how to get to Atlanta written down. I think it may be on the back of an envelope. I'm not sure if he had ever been to Atlanta before, but he had directions to get from Winston down to Atlanta. And off we go with my aunt and uncle and cousins following behind us. So we get there, we get to downtown Atlanta, and we see Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, and we start looking for the stadium hotel. And we do one lap around the stadium, and then we do another lap around the stadium. How many of you have ever seen a European Vacation? Big <laughs> Ben, <laughs> Parliament. Yeah, you remember when Chevy Chase gets stuck in a traffic circle over and over again, back and forth. Well, that was us, circling Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium, trying to find the stadium hotel. Now, understand, this is before you could print out step-by-step online directions. This is before there was anything known as a Garmin or anything known as a GPS. This is before there were cell phones where you could just call from your car and say, hey, I'm not exactly sure where we are. There's no Google Maps. There's no Apple Maps. There's no online. There's no nothing. Right? All you have are the written directions that you were given. Well, it doesn't take long for the car we were driving in to become the ancient Israelites wandering in the wilderness. (laughs) Bickering and grumbling the whole thing. It starts in the back with my sister and I. Tell her to stop touching me. Tell him to stop looking at me. He's on my side. Whatever. Well, then that grumbling goes from the back of the car to the front of the car. You should ask someone for directions, Larry. Who am I going to ask, dude? So I guess Dad is Moses in this scenario. (laughs) Finally, we pull up to a car that has its window rolled down. And Dad says, hey, we're trying to find the stadium hotel. Do you know where it is? And the guy points to a building that I kid you not, we have now driven past eight, nine, ten times. (laughs) On the side of this building is a large canvas sign that's tied with, you know, in the four corners, and it says, Ramada Inn. Dad says, that says Ramada Inn. And the guy gives him a look, and he drives off. Well, about that time, a gust of wind comes through downtown Atlanta, and it lifts that canvas sign up ever so slightly. And right underneath that canvas sign, you can see these red letters attached to the building. And guess what those red letters say? Stadium Hotel. (laughs) Unbeknownst to us, that hotel had been bought by and subsequently renamed by the Ramada Corporation. And we had driven by it over and over and over and over again. And so you say, well, how could this have been prevented? Well, again, remember, this is before GPS and smartphones and that whole bit. I think it would have been helpful if we had somebody on the other end, some relationship with somebody on the other end, that could have made sure we got to our destination. Somebody we had a connection with to keep us kind of in the loop, to let us know that, you know, expect this when you get down. Because all we had was a piece of paper, instructions and directions written on that piece of paper. No matter how much dad tried to follow them, it had us getting a little bit lost, had us a little frustrated, had us almost to the point of giving up. We needed, truthfully, somebody to follow, somebody to show us the way. Written-down directions are only going to get you so far. There are times we need somebody with a little more authority than you to guide your path. Now, thankfully, the way technology has advanced over the past, I don't know, 40 years or so, that scenario is very unlikely to play out again. Things have gotten better and better and better. There are simply now better ways to make sure we get to our destination. That's the exact same story that Jeremiah is telling us in the Old Testament lesson this morning. There is now a better way to get to our destination. And that better way is this new covenant that God is making with God's people. You see, God had previously given us directions, written down, instructions written down. Here's how you get to the promised land. But in his immense love for us, God saw that we needed a new covenant. One that didn't simply rely on instructions written down on a stone tablet, but instead instructions written on our hearts. A covenant that would provide us with someone to follow to lead all of us where we want to be. Now, God has made a number or made a number of covenants in the Old Testament. When the Hebrews were slaves in the land of Egypt, God made a covenant with them. He said to Israel, I will be your God, and you will be my people. It was a covenant, not necessarily of rules, but of relationship. God promised to put the people of Israel first. And in turn, the people of Israel promised to put God first. The problem is, putting God first doesn't always come naturally to us, does it? So God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Basically, directions as to what does it mean to be God's people? What does it actually look like to be God's people? But it didn't take long for there to be an issue. In fact, God's people broke God's covenant almost immediately upon receiving it. Moses didn't even get back down the mountain from receiving it before they were kneeling down to the golden calf in Exodus chapter 32. And they continued to smash this covenant over and over and over again for about 1,200 years until they found themselves exiled to Babylon, which is the time period in which Jeremiah is writing down this prophecy. They couldn't keep the first of God's laws, much less the other 613 that ended up making up the old covenant. Just too many laws. So the questions then naturally arise when the people hear this from Jeremiah. Well, How is this new covenant going to be any different? Because if it's based on human obedience, it ain't going to work. How are we going to keep our end of the covenant if we fail time and time and time again, as we have shown that we will do? So many laws, so many directions, so many structures. How are we possibly going to be able to keep up? And I worry that sometimes that that's a problem not just with the old covenant but also with our own hearts. So often we seem to fall into sin right after we promise to be better. So often we sometimes think of God's laws as impossible so we don't really attempt to follow them with any kind of diligence. And like those Israelites who just throw up our hands too many laws, too many laws. How am I supposed to, I can't do it, it's too many laws. And what this does Is it leads to one of two ideas about our relationship with God? We think that on one hand, our relationship with God is conditional and based upon our obedience, or on the other side, we simply think that our relationship of love is one in which, well, God's commands are more of a suggestion than it is a rule. And know what happens? On one side, some only feel good about their relationship with God if they are obedient. They feel closest to God based upon their own work and feel distant from God when they sin. This is the type of person who is sitting in this church and is in fact in each and every one of us that sometimes feels better based upon their own righteous character as compared with other people. Yeah, well, I might be bad, but I'm not as bad as that guy. But this is also the person who falls into sin And then has difficulty praying to God until they have proven to him that they can resist their sin. So what happens? Guilt overwhelms them. The law overwhelms them. And they get further and further from any kind of relationship with God. That's this side. Well, on the other hand, hey, there's also this person in each and every one of us who doesn't mind sinning maybe just a little bit. Why? Why? Because we know that God is love and he will forgive us. I mean, that's what scripture says, right? So they don't worry too much about drinking to excess or telling crude jokes or whatever because after all, hey, I go to church a lot. I know that God is going to forgive me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer called this cheap grace. And again, with that, there's no real relationship with God. In both of these scenarios, I think what you could say is that, yeah, they may know about God, but they don't know God. They might know about God, but they don't know God. Now, is it wrong to try and follow God's law and feel bad when we fail? No. God cares about his law. Is it wrong to champion God's love and forgiveness? No, because our God is a God of grace. The problem arises When we leave behind either God's love or his law. When we choose to remember one without the other. When we focus on the law and we forget about the grace. When we focus on the grace and we forget about the law. And that is exactly why we needed a new covenant. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. And that includes all of us. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God promised to Jeremiah that he would cancel the old law code. That one that was written on tablets of stone is now instead going to be written on the hearts of his people. In this new covenant, the law will be internalized. Doing the will of God becomes our delight because it again is written on our hearts. Many people think that there is a disconnect between the law and love or the law and grace or the law and gospel. But in this new covenant, friends, law and grace, law and love, law and gospel are reconciled together. You say, how is that? Right there. In Christ Jesus. That's how. Because Jesus dissolves any kind of separation of law and love. Here's what Jesus says in John 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now think about that. You've got to love him first, right? Love for Christ comes before obedience. If you love me, keep my commandments. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Again, that's John chapter 14. Then the chapter later, John 15, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. What you see here is a beautiful cycle of law and love. If we love Christ, we will keep His commands. And those commands will show love to others, which brings us right back to love of Christ. Jesus knew that keeping God's good law and showing God's good love, both walk hand in hand. And if you need more evidence, I want you to think about the cross on Calvary. Let me ask you this. Was Jesus fulfilling God's law or God's love at the cross? The answer is both. God's law was so important that Jesus needed to live perfectly and die in our place. And yet, there at the cross, we also see God give himself up for us in love. I will be their God and they will be my people. Have you ever thought about how amazing that is? That God has chosen to bind himself to us that he took the plunge he became human he suffered and he died he gave himself to us so that we can belong to him and you say well what all those times that i hated the law those times i transgressed the law the lord declares i will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more kind of an amazing truth about our god is it not that he can Cause himself to forget. Isn't it? We may still be haunted by sins that have changed the course of our lives. But God looks at us with some kind of a divine innocence. Because he has forgotten your sin. You are perfect in his eyes. At the cross. In the sealing of this new covenant. With Jesus' very blood. Once and for all sin. God's love and law are reconciled. And friends, we belong to him, Look, you may consider yourself to be unworthy, undeserving, unprepared, unnoticed, undone, unthankful, unjust, unfair, uneasy, and unaccepted. You may have been unknown, unapologetic, unhinged, unraveled, undesirable, unbearable, unclean, unethical, underhanded, uninterested, unkind, and untouchable. You may have felt unwanted, unlucky, unnerved, unpopular, unpredictable, unqualified, and unstable. But friends, understand this. At no point in your life have you ever been unloved. You have a connection with a loving creator whose love never lets you go. And he gave his only son to us as the guarantee and proof of this. This new covenant that Jeremiah speaks of, friends, renews our connection with God. That connection is the blood of Christ. Jesus is this new covenant. And so we must follow him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless.